Hello, hello. Welcome back to Brown, Bad and Bothered. I'm your host, Andrea. And if this is your first time tuning in, I hope you have a spectacular time exploring this podcast. For my returning listeners, you know what to do. Stop, drop, roll, rate, review and subscribe. It literally takes three seconds. One, two, three. Chef's kiss. All right, lovies. It has been a minute since we've had a solo moment, a solo rant session, a little life update. So despite the chaos happening in my life, I am blessing you with a little bit of a lighthearted, amusing, but important um discussion. But before we jump into it, before we get into business, let me give you a little much awaited life update if you've been following me on Instagram. I know I've been like inactive for the last two months. It's been a mix of relocating, packing up, having surgery, but basically I packed up from Dubai two weeks ago. Um, it came a little bit earlier than expected because I got diagnosed with this like rare eye disease called keratoconus. Essentially, you know how your eyeball is supposed to be a sphere that's like a smooth surface. My cornea basically said, fuck that shit where your cornea starts to thin out and becomes irregular so it starts to like push outwards and become like a cone hence the name keratoconus. and basically I didn't have this issue a year ago when I did my annual checkup and then two months ago there was like wait a minute there's a lot of damage to your eye we need to sort this out so I am currently in India got surgery for my right eye done very interesting um <laughs> scary um experience uh have my surgery for my left eye but i'm looking forward to just getting it behind and healing completely in both my eyes but speaking about the surgery trigger warning for anyone who gets squeezy or doesn't like the topic of stuff happening to eyeballs probably skip ahead two minutes so i did this surgery called cross-linking where they literally like keep your eye open for 40 minutes and my dumbass was like oh like I'm not going to be able to see what they're doing. Like, it's going to be fine. Like, they told me what they were going to do, but I wasn't, like, thinking too much about it. But, like, obviously my eyes open and I'm able to see every single little thing that they're doing to me for 40 minutes. I don't know how I got through it keeping calm. Thanks to mindfulness, which, by the way, definitely check out previous episode with Irvi where we do talk about mindfulness and how beneficial it is. But basically with the surgery, um, keep your eye open and they put numbing drops so you can't feel anything, luckily. But they remove a layer of your epi something. I don't know what to call it, but it's basically like a thin layer of your cornea. And then they put drops and like they bond the drops with uv light so it creates a stronger collagen layer strengthen your cornea and then basically that should prevent your cornea from like shifting and moving more they tell you to like focus on this green light and at first i was like oh this is easy i can see the green light this is fine and then as soon as they started removing that layer of um my eye like my vision completely went away and like obviously it's like scary at that point where you're like oh my god like my vision is gone what am I gonna do and you just have to keep still so had that done which was yeah um an experience but now I am recovering I'm actually in Kotagiri uh hill station beautiful hill station that's made up of 80% um tea farm plantations if you have no idea what that would look like definitely head over to Instagram at brown bad and bothered and watch my latest reels because I cannot even put the beauty of this place into words I actually like visited Kotagiri for the first time three years ago when I wasn't doing that great with depression and anxiety I had just left America I had no idea what the next stage of my life was going to be I had no like I had lost all sense of self motivation ambition and I'd come here to stay with relatives and I was working as a sixth grade 
English teacher for six months at the school my uncles are principal in. And it was such a lovely experience. Like it was definitely the place that I needed to heal in. And pretty much after leaving Kothagiri, I went straight to Dubai. And now I've left Dubai and I'm, I've come back here three years later. And it's just really special to be back here and to see how much has changed in three years and like the ups and downs and the challenges of these last three years. But most of all, to be grateful for the opportunities and the growth I've had in that period of time. There's like a monkey outside <laughs> just eating a fruit and making eye contact with me, which is a little bit unnerving. Um, but yeah, uh, so once I'm done with my second eye surgery this weekend, I'll be healing and then going to Zambia to visit my family. And then finally heading off to Adelaide, Australia in July, which I'm very, very excited for. But I guess, yeah, we're done with the life update. Once I've healed from my surgery, I will definitely be able to get back into routine with Instagram content, which I am looking forward to. It has been a minute and I'm just waiting to get my creative juices flowing in today's episode. I strongly low-key feel like when Desi parents left the labor ward, they walked into the same orientation where they all picked up the same pamphlet and were told that to pause initiation as a Desi parent, you have to tell your kids these phrases. And in turn, these phrases had very um, irritating consequences for us. I'm going to be taking you guys through some very stereotypical, normalized, common phrases that I think many of us can relate to. So jumping straight into it, the first phrase is good marks are everything. Indians or South Asians or even Asians in general are famous for their competitive mindset and it's because it has been pounded into us right from the time we were even in primary school. There is so much pressure to excel. Every parent wants a kid to be a class topper, right? It's kind of sad because you can win best sportsman nationwide or be in the national debate team or just be really talented in arts, music, debate or whatever it is. But sometimes none of that matters because what truly makes Desi parents happy happy is a 99% score on your exam paper and even then some will be like wait where's that one percent and it's quite unfortunate because I feel like a lot of brown kids um, spend so much of their developmental years focusing on good grades because they think that's the key to success which you know maybe 20 years ago yes opportunities depended on good marks but today the world is a very different environment you know educational institutions and workplaces care about your ability to communicate, to be innovative, to have leadership skills, to engage in teamwork, to explore your passions and hobbies and basically like what sets you apart from everyone else and you know what more do you have than like a good GPA right and there's so many other aspects to an individual that can lead to success and I think this is why we've seen this so many times where they see young adults move abroad and they they struggle in professional or academic um, environments because they suddenly realize that grades aren't everything. There are other qualities that they unfortunately haven't had the time or opportunity to hone because they were so focused on being told that good marks are everything, that that's the world that they lived in, right? And it's also unfortunate for kids who are, you know, average students or below average students when it comes to studies, but like have so many other strengths and talents and they're never given the opportunity to feel confident or proud about that because their parents may still not view it as important enough or good enough another killer catchphrase for every desi parent um which is also one of the most misleading statements in our society is struggle now enjoy later 
And once again, it all starts from pretty much our childhood, especially I guess in high school where we have our board exams or A-levels or IB or whatever passing exam we have. And now parents tell us, it's okay, better struggle now, it'll pay off, you'll have fun in college. And then you reach college and it's like, it's okay, struggle now. Once you have a job, you'll be happy. And as you can guess, you get a job obviously that shit's hard like having a career isn't easy peasy but you're told it's okay better struggle now you'll enjoy later you once you have a family once you have a kids everything will fall into place right but that's not how life is right the reality is and this is what they don't tell you or i don't know if it's a lack of self-awareness or this false reality you fantasy that um people live in or our elders live in is that there will always be struggle and you know no matter where you are in life or whatever phase you're in there's always going to be challenges and it's up to you to despite those challenges be able to be present in the moment and to find joy and happiness right not only does this struggle now enjoy later type of perspective normalize achievement anxiety and it takes away your ability to find joy in the moment but it makes you believe that happiness is this one-time achievable goal which is like very very far from the truth it's very easy to say it's hard to practice but the reality is that it's up to you to find joy in your day-to-day life even when everything is chaotic around you and that is at the end of the day a skill that you have to learn it's not going to magically appear the next one is especially for my girlies It is the statement, you can do that after marriage. There are so many levels to this that are beyond frustrating and don't sit well with me. But before we get into it, to clear the statement up for my non-Desi people who are probably like, wait, what? What are you talking about? So there's this thing where Desi parents, especially Desi moms, will tell their daughters, oh, you want to travel? You can do that after marriage. Oh, you want to go out? You want to socialize? After marriage. You want to wear that? after marriage you want to cut your hair like this after marriage and basically like anything that is slightly um different from the social expectation or something that requires a woman to do something alone or independently apparently is something that they can only do after marriage which one is like if a girl well, a woman is old enough to get married, it's because she's mature enough and she's an adult who's independent and can make her own decisions, or at least that should be the situation, right? So if she is at that point in life, she should be able to make her own choices of if she wants to travel, if she wants to wear certain clothes, if she wants to go out with her friends or whatever the case is, right? And it comes down to that. As South Asian women, we aren't given the freedom or the autonomy to make those decisions um, because we're still viewed as essentially as extreme as it sounds the property of our parents right and being owned by our parents being protected being sheltered that power that ownership is then passed off to our husbands and it's almost as if oh once you're married and you have a husband he can then give you the permission or the assurance that like he's okay with you doing certain things like traveling or coloring your hair or wearing certain clothes right which just doesn't sit well with me because like if you're an adult and you're able to get married because it's your decision you also have the right to decide on other things right and also um it's almost like we treat a woman getting married as a coming of age thing which is not the case because you shouldn't be coming to age um or you shouldn't be seen as a woman only after you get married like you are a full adult before you make such a big lifelong or life-changing commitment or decision right 
But another part of this that I find interesting is the certain like gender double standard that you get where you'll have like aunties see a girl and be like, oh my God, she's so smart and responsible. Get her married now. Like she's ready for marriage. But they'll look at the boy at the same of the same age or whatever. And they'll be like, oh, he's still immature. He's not, he needs to become responsible. Like, so let's get him married. That will make him a man. A face value that doesn't sound very bad but when you break it down it essentially is hey this boy needs to grow up and act his age but instead of parenting him or teaching him from a young age what it is to grow up and be a responsible mature adult we're gonna get him married and like he's magically gonna grow into a man but like the reality is that it's the wife as expected as the caregiver that is going to do the emotional labor to teach him right women are smart enough and responsible for marriage and they're expected to be that way but like a boy can be immature but a marriage will teach him how to be a man the next statement is quite hypocritical because the bible many many scriptures teach us to love thy neighbor right but I'm pretty sure many of us actually hate our neighbors. (laughs) And the reason for this is because our parents always play that comparison game with the neighbor's kid. Or it doesn't even need to be the neighbor's kid. It could be your cousin. It could be your best friend. It could like be a classmate. But basically it comes down to that no matter what you do or how well you do it, they see parents will always find a way to glorify another kid and make sure you're reminded of how much better their performance is and basically how much you underperform right it could be about your appearance your weight your grades um your life decisions how you spend time but ultimately it creates this unnecessary competition and lack of trust amongst your age mates and i think you see this less now in the younger generation but i definitely feel like in my generation the older generation before me there was a lot of like backstabbing and like shit talking and competition between in within friend groups because a lot of us were basically told there's only room for one winner and there's only a crown or throne for one person and there was a sense of like competition and it stemmed from like the comparison game that our parents put us in but also what it does is when you're given so much negative talk and you're compared to other people all the time from a young age it develops this lifelong inner critic in your head the next statement is I never questioned my elders which first of all I call bullshit because it doesn't matter which generation you're from there is always an age gap between a child and a parent and what happens when you have an age gap there is going to be a difference in perspectives in thought processes in opinions in what you want from life right and Every time when I hear an elder say this, I just like want to call bullshit because I mean, maybe they didn't speak up about their differences to their parents, but they would have at least thought of it. There is no way that when our parents say they never questioned their parents, that that is true. Um, Just because of how age gaps work, right? And generational differences. And our culture focuses so much on respecting elders, which I can get to a certain degree but like our society takes it to a point where parents and grandparents expect complete submission from the youth it's this unwavering belief that elders know best and that you know no matter how much the world changes what they believe what they do what they think is always the right way and you know if 
kids ever ask why or want to question them, we're told, I never question my elders, though you better not ask and do what I say ultimately, right? Basically, this cultivates for many families a environment where there's no open communication, where sometimes kids even grow up to be adults and feel scared to open up and speak to their parents about their true feelings or opinions. Um, You know, it can really aggravate parent-pleasing and people-pleasing tendencies. That statement also leads to this next statement, which really, really, really rubs me the wrong way because of the context in which it's said in, right? And this is the statement, your life is so easy we used to have it harder because of XYZ. So whether it was because they had to walk to school or because they didn't have electricity or because of so many different situations, which I completely get like, you know, as each generation goes, the truth is that the quality of life, the financial stability, the emotional stability, so many aspects like your basic needs, all of that are met at a better level and ability, right? My issue with this is when the context in which adults or parents use the statement is almost to have an emotional power guilt trip over you. As parents, you work really hard to provide the best life possible for your children, right? You go from point A to point B so your kids can have the best opportunities, the best facilities, whatever it is, right? So wouldn't you want your kids' lives to be easier than yours? Like, why do your kids have to go through the same struggles in order for their life to be valid, in order for their um experience to be valid, right? Like, each generation goes through their own struggles, and just because our struggles look different from their struggles doesn't mean either struggles are invalid. And I think sometimes parents say this statement because they think we're ungrateful or because we're lucky and that we can't relate to, which some degree probably probably yes, but to use this context in the sense where you want to guilt your child, um, doesn't make sense to me as parents of course you're going to do your best to like make sure your kid doesn't go through the same hardships you do so i obviously want my kid to have an easier life for me but also knowing that they're going to go through very different struggles all right so the last statement is a little bit of a two-parter all right the first part is when parents say when will you act your age? Come on, you aren't a kid anymore. Grow up. And then the second <laughs> the second part of that is when they also tell you, don't act like an adult. You are still a kid. Ask us first. In the first statement, it's usually in a situation where you aren't getting good enough grades or you aren't acting the way you should according to societal norms, whether that's how you're dressing, how you're speaking, how you're carrying yourself, how you socialize. It's sort of like they're sort of looking at you being like, come on, you need to be an adult like or you're at this age, you need to act proper. But when it comes to actually being adult and wanting to make adult decisions or being part of adult conversations about, you know, what your future looks like in terms of education, marriage, finance, politics, some of your parents are like, don't act like an adult. Basically, um, you can't make your decisions. We still want to make your decisions. And I always find it very interesting where, I don't know if it stems from a place where they fear losing power over the ability to help you make the decision, the right decisions. And when I say right decisions, what they think is best for you, which may not always be the case. So it's like a double-ended sword um, with that one. On that note, 
these are all the statements or phrases that came to mind that I think many of us can relate to. If you have statement or phrase that Desi parents say, do let me know. Send it on an Instagram at brown, bad, and bothered. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know it was not as in-depth as previous episodes, but I'm obviously still recovering and trying to take it easy. But despite all of that, I hope you enjoyed. Let me know your thoughts. Make sure to follow on Instagram for some reels and more behind-the-scenes content and just deeper discussions about topics. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Stay safe. Stay tuned. 